1: We're looking at God's conditional love. Here today, on Truth For Today, with Pastor Phil Howard. That's right, conditional. Let's take a closer look at that, coming up next. But wait a minute, you say? I thought God loved all people. He does. He tells us so in His Word. But... There is a specific kind of love that is conditional. To be sure, there is a phileo, a a storge kind of love that God has toward His creation. But in the agape sense, in the familial sense, well, that is where it becomes conditional. As we're seeing today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Jude, verses 20 through 23. If you think you're outside of this kind of conditional love, stick around. We'll walk you through it so that you can find yourself in the middle of it. Here's Pastor Phil.
2: By way of review, uh, we look and consider when we say God loves, we need to do some discriminating, some distinguishing. And quite, what do you mean by that? And it goes this way. When you read in John 14 and 15, you pick up this love that goes on between the Trinity has been going on since eternity past. The Father, the Son. Uh, in other words, they've always been in community. And Ephesians says something that's quite striking. It says all the families of the earth get their name from the triune God. And the word name there has the idea we take on family life by the nature of the life that's been lived among the Trinity. Authority among equals, both in the church and in the home, is modeled after the Trinity. Quite an interesting thing. How can you have equals with different roles? And the Trinity is the living model of that. They've been loving each other from eternity past. Father loves the Son, Son loves the Father. Then you go to the second aspect of the love of God, Psalms 145 explains that, his love for creation, uh, he, he gives the animals their food, he causes the grass to grow, he clothes the lily of the field, he watches over the bird that falls to the ground. So it's God's sometimes called providential love that he, he's watching over all of his creation and he loves him. The third love we looked at was God's love for the world. God so loved the world that he gave up his own son. And so that is a universal love that has extended to every category of human being out there. God has gone on record. I love you. And the ever-present proof of that is the cross. That is my statement that I'm willing to put my son on a cross for the world. I love the world of lost human beings. Overwhelming? Overwhelming. Then the last time, we looked at God's love for his own, uh, going inward to the circle. And and we do it as human beings all the time. Oh, I love you, brother. And then you turn, honey, I love you. Wait. In your mind, you made a distinguishing use of the word. You mean a totally different thing when you say, I love you, brother. And then you turn, say, I love your wife. Totally. It just goes to a deeper level, but you're telling the truth on both levels. You're telling the truth, but you're distinguishing in mind. It's a different level of loving. God's love for Israel. You of all the nations of the earth have I chosen. There is no other chosen nation in all of history that you can prove biblically. Oh, we're a chosen nation. Well, that's nice you feel that way. I kind of enjoy it myself. But I can't say biblically, I'm in a chosen nation. I'm under sovereign blessings of God. God chose little Israel. In the midst of all the Gentile world, he set his affection and he's told them in Deuteronomy four, Deuteronomy seven, Deuteronomy 10. You weren't easy to get along with. You weren't the largest in number. I love you because I chose to love you. Abraham, I called you, I chose you. And Billy Graham didn't lead you to the Lord. I went down there sovereignly, made you my own. Chosen. Comes along with the church, a chosen body. We were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Say, I don't believe it. God doesn't care if you do or not. That's to your own detriment. He said he did. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. It's wonderful when you submit to the Bible and quit arguing with it. God needs no editors. Just believe what he said. He spoke and he didn't stutter. Okay. Now today, we want to look at the fifth aspect, the conditional love of God, even to his own people. The conditional love of God to his own people, which is a bit striking because... uh, you could say, uh, well, God will always love me. Well, in one sense, he will. He'll always love the world, even if they perish. Right? Uh, I, I just set up. Here's things that uh, is interesting to me. Uh, have you ever known a church to be shut down? Yeah, I, I know a lot of them. They no longer exist. What do you do when God threatens the seven churches of Asia Minor? I'm going to blow out your lampstand if you don't do church the way I tell you. Were they loved when he put them out of business? Do you ever know, ever met a backslidden Christian? Now, some of you, if they're backslidden, they're no longer Christian. I, I know people, they've lost the, they've lost the, uh, the joy of the Lord. They've lost uh, enjoying God. They've become maybe bitter, uh, a lot of messing up. Uh, still loved by God in one sense, but listen to some verses like this. This isn't the message. We get to the text. Let me read to you something D.A. Carson said, then I'll read you some verses. God's love is sometimes said to be directed toward his own people in a provisional or conditional way. Condition that is on obedience. It is part of the relational structure of knowing God. It does not have to do with how we become two followers of the living God, but it characterizes our relationship once we do know him that we obey. And if we don't obey, we will lose the sense of his love, We will lose the sense of his presence. We will lose the sense of his blessing. Now listen to these verses. Psalms 119, 131. You don't have to turn. There's a lot of them. I'll just show you. Turn to me and be gracious to me after thy manner with those who love thy name. Turn and be gracious to me as one who loves your name. What if you're not loving his name? Ephesians six twenty four. grace be with those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Now, he told a church, you've lost your first love. What was that? Romans eight twenty eight. 28, all things work together for wayward Christians that don't want to do God's will. All things work together in your stubborn choices because God is sovereign. He's going to overcome all your stupid choices that you made without consulting him. And now you're in a bad marriage and you're saying, where was my head when I did this? You weren't doing it God's way. Are you saved? Yeah. Are you blessed? Mm. James 4, 8. Draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. We used to have a saying if you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? Psalms 103, verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. His steadfast love is great to a man or woman who fears him. If you've lost that fear, danger. Verse 13 of Psalms 103. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And in the Bible, to fear God was a synonym with love God, obey God, serve God. It was an overall Old Testament synonym. It was loaded. So those who love Jesus Christ love to fear and reverentially look to him in awe And reverence. It's not a treacherous word to us who love the Lord. I love to fear His name. I love to give Him respect and reverence and honor. I do fear the Lord. And it is a joy. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. And his righteousness to children's tr- children to those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. Psalms 103, 17, 18. "I promise to bless you to the hundredth generation if you obey me." Second Chronicles 39: "The Lord your God is gracious and compassionate, and will not turn His face away from you if you return to him." Or um, turn to Jude. Jude, are you there? He's in a church that is struggling with apostate false teachers. They've crept in the church with damnable heresies. They're denying Jesus Christ. They are teaching that uh, live as you will. Uh, It doesn't matter that the grace of God does not deliver you from sin. Live as you want, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, sinful behavior. That grace has nothing to do with the way I live. So then he goes on, and verse 18, he begins, let's pick up verse 17. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers. Following their own ungodly passage. Now, I don't mind that fact as long as they don't want to join the church. But these people have got in the church. They're in the church, scoffing. It is these who cause division. I don't care if they're divided down at the local bar. This is divisions in the church. They cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. They don't even have the Spirit because they're not Christian, but they're in the church. Now, but you, beloved, is moving to the saved in the church. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. I must read this. It was my ordination verse that my father had drilled in me. Now to him who is able to keep you. Because everything in this book is falling. Sodom and Gomorrah fall. Angels fall. Israel fell. And you want to give up hope. I'm going to fall too. I'm going to fall. I don't have a chance. And you don't unless there's a keeper in your life. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. Be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. And my father would look at me. He either can keep you or he can't. He said he could. Because I grew up with people we lost it about twice a year. Had to have another revival for everybody to get prayed through again. He said, I can keep you. I can keep you. Now, he said, keep yourselves in the love of God. Are you ready for a grammar lesson? In the Greek, there's one main verb in this section. And three definite participles. They're adjectival participles. They're descriptive of keeping yourself in the love of God. So it goes this way. If you were diagramming this in Greek, it'd go this way. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Era's present imperative. There it is. Do this. It's a command. And then you're asking, well, how? How, how do I do this? Participles, adjectival. You would put them underneath that main verb to keep yourself in the love of God. How? By? Building up yourselves in your most holy faith, one. Two, praying in the Holy Spirit. Three, watching, expecting the mercy of Jesus Christ. Four, showing mercy. Four things are Jude's way of telling you how to keep in the love of God. Because you can become lukewarm. You can lose your first love. You can leave, lose that first desire, that first passion, and be, just get in a rut in the Christian life. Everything become perfunctory. I mean, if you can go back when you were first saved, if you can remember the, the joy you couldn't get enough, uh, couldn't get enough church, couldn't get enough of being around God's people, rejoicing that you were saved. Uh, marvelous, marvelous, Peter said, "Is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And we used to sing that all the time. "Is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory. Now Jude is saying, everything around you seems to be falling. False teachers are abounding. I'm concerned for you, beloved, that you stay in love with Christ that you not fall away from that love and you know you can't keep the sun from shining but you can sure get an umbrella he tells peter or tells timothy stir up stir up the gift in you fan it into full flame he keeps saying will you be awake when i come will you be alert Or have you become bored with knowing God? Have you become ho-hum? Some of you are more like uh, you're inoculated, but you're not infectious. You can't really get the disease anymore because you've been inoculated with enough church and enough sermons that you don't have to worry. and, And you turn into being grumblers about the church because you have fallen out of love with the head of the church. There's a question God said to a man one time. It went this way. Backslidden Peter, I want to ask you a question. Yeah? Do you love me? Well, I think I do. Love my people. Take care of them. No, Lord, they're dirty. They can hurt you. They can disappoint you. And Jesus could say, and so have you done to me. Do you love me? I'd ask you if you love them. First, do you love me? Well, yeah, I think I do. Take care of my lambs. Ooh, Lord, they're a mess, just like you, Peter. I want to ask you a third time, do you love me? I'll leave the answer up to you, Lord. So he's saying, I will only do certain things. I made a list of what God said, 11 things that God said he would do for people who cooperate with him. He said, if you love me, if you fear me, if you'll be humble, if you'll seek me as refuge, if you'll hope in me, uh, if you'll wait on me, all these conditions, I'll hear you if you wait. I'll hear you if you cry. Why do churches die? Because the congregation dies. They quit asking God to do something. They quit believing God to do anything. They become negative. They become critics of their own fellowship, and they quit evangelizing. They quit sharing, and Jesus has ceased to be the greatest thing in their life. Churches all over this country are dying, and we're no better than them. God says, you can't have blessing without cooperating. First of all, Are you building up yourselves in your most holy faith? He uses a plural there. I think we normally take that. I used to build up yourself. And and that's included, but it's it's a corporate word. Be building up the community of faith you're in by means of God's holy word. Uh, I said the faith has been once for all revealed in verse 3. Now I'm wanting you to take, by means of that faith, the Word of God and be building up the body of Christ. Be building it up, edifying it, exhorting it. And I ask you, do you know how to build up other believers? Can you take the Word of God And today, before anyone leaves here, that you've got a word from God that you could give to them. To encourage, to comfort, uh, to stimulate them in their growth. Uh, Some way, can you build up anybody with this book? Look look at Acts 20. When he's talking to the elders at Ephesus. This is kind of the life's verse of John MacArthur. And so I'm in good company. Uh, Look at this. Uh, in Acts, he says in, about, uh, in verse 32, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. God's word. Should we not be bleeding the word of God from us? Are you full of the Word of God? What are you doing to get full of memorizing it, meditating on it, reading it, uh, studying it? The Bible. I'm amazed at how many are still so illiterate about the Bible. Do you know the Bible? I mean, I I, I just got hungry to read the Old Testament again. I, I just finished Job. That's a rough go, by the way. I mean... You'd have a right to be depressed. Uh, It's heavy. uh, And Chronicles, but God talks to, what do you know? You know as much about this book as you've made it an effort to know. And this will build you up as well as give you the instrumentality and the tool to build up the body. And so many times we're always waiting for uh, a church leader to do it. He says this to the whole body. This is to all of us. Be building up the body by means of the word of God. Two, I want you to be praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, before you guess at what that means, it starts with praying. Before you figure out what it means to pray in the spirit, does that mean pray in tongues? Well, if that's the only way you prayed, it wouldn't bother God might bother your brother, don't tell him. 1 Corinthians 14, you know, uh, talks about they prayed in their spirit. That won't bother God. They at least showed up to pray. Are you even showing up to pray? When do you pray? And he says, "A, a praying church is necessary to keep you in the love of God.
1: And that will conclude our time today here on Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules with our teacher and pastor Phil Howard.